Hello there, beautiful people of the universe. Welcome to episode 19 of Shine Brighter with Liz. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you've listened to this before, you know that I usually start with, Hello, beautiful people of the universe. I don't know where I came up with that, but it's such a cute little thing, and I don't know. I hope you guys like it. Um, Welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time, this is a podcast on personal growth and lifestyle development, and we are in season two. In season two, I am chatting with lighthouses, other people that I find are putting out their light in the universe and just being vulnerable, being real, and making some great uh, choices in their life and just kind of sitting down, chatting with them and pricking their brain about their childhood, uh, biggest lessons it's taken them the longest to learn, advice to younger self, all of that fun stuff. Today I have the pleasure and true honor to share with you guys a conversation that I had with my friend Melanie Sutra Thada. She is uh, such an amazing Uh, influencer. She's always sharing on Instagram. And so a little bit about her. She is a multimedia powerhouse and she's making waves online and on camera as an actress, a host, and an influencer with her signature brand of personality and lifestyle expertise. She's also worked with amazing brands such as CoverGirl, Target, to Fashion Week Online. She's also been featured on the Today Show, NBC's New York City Live, Real Simple, Bella, New York City, Honeysuckle Magazine, The Every Girl, AOL, and much more. Um, Her approachable attitude, outgoing personality, and her feminine style has made her an in-demand host in New York City, you guys. Um, And she's just amazing. It's super approachable, and she lights up any room that she walks into. So without further ado, I cannot wait to share you guys my episode with Melanie. Here it is. Okay, we are recording. So first off, I just want to say thank you so much for saying yes to be on Shine Brighter with Liz. Um, thank you for taking the time, your time. I know you're so busy. Um, but yeah, I just want to say thank you first. Well, thank you so much for having me. I adore you. You are an amazing human. Uh-huh. And I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I'm super excited for you to be here as well. And for my listeners to listen to all of your inspiring things, because I know that you inspire me. So I wanted to start from the beginning with your life. I like to do this with all of my guests. Um, It really kind of gets me and the listeners in a good flow of just kind of knowing like who you are, where you come from, what were you like as a kid, uh, what did you want to be when you grew up, and how did you get to where you are today? What was your journey like? Oh, that is a great question. So just a little bit about me before we like dive into all of that. So I'm a New York based actor and on air host and a tastemaker. Um, I create content for the web. So I love the internet, probably a little too much. And so full time, I do work for myself. I'm a full time actor and um, am making an attempt at living my best life. So one of the cool things I think is that when you're in the middle of whatever you're doing in your life, sometimes the, the things that happened don't really make sense. You're like, what you're doing d- doesn't really make sense. But then you look back and there is sort of this through line. So my kind of through line is that I've always loved to talk to people and I always love to hear stories. So even when I was a little girl, I didn't know I wanted to be an actor. I think I wanted to be a princess. <laughs> I mean, I would, st- <laughs> I would still like to be a princess. I mean... If anyone is out there who would like to marry me and is of royal descent, yes, <laughs> the answer is yes. So I'm pretty sure I wanted to be a princess. I'm pretty sure you are a princess. Bless your heart. You are a good person, Liz. <laughs> I wanted to be one, but there was no desire to be a performer. Um, I didn't want to be an actor. I didn't put on plays and force all my friends or my brothers and sisters to act them out. I didn't do that, but I did love to talk a whole lot. Um, Probably too much, but I digress. So when I was little, I got involved in school. I was the like president of my school, which felt really cool. And I remember my mom to this day has a photo of me with my principal, Mrs. Justison. Um, She like proudly hangs it on the mantle at home. I'm like, mom, I would hope that there there are better things that I've done. I hope I didn't peak at the age of like, seven but okay so I was really involved with school I was always really chatty really quirky um and then when I went to middle school I got really involved again I think I was like my eighth grade president I was in all these clubs I like to play sports I 
loved to dance. There were a lot of things that I loved to do, but there was never anything that I was like, ooh, this is going to mean I'm going to be an actor, or ooh, this means I'm going to be a host. There was none of that. There was just me growing up in San Diego, being quirky and silly and singing in the car with my friends and my mom taking us to Barnes and Noble. And that's, you know, I remember my best friend Candace and I, we would just, our parents would give us each $20 and they would drop us off the mall and we would be gone all day. Mm -hmm. What does $20 get you in New York? Nothing. (laughs) Maybe a slice of pizza, maybe a drink, but I would spend all day watching movies and reading books and eating pretzels. I mean, I still would like to do that. Um, And then uh, when I got to high school, that was when I finally did my first play. And I remember my friend Candace, who is phenomenal and incredibly talented and beautiful in so many ways. She was doing, she did the show in the eighth grade where she played this really zany, weird, quirky character. And I remember she had to talk to her toe that was named Tilly. It was very strange middle school days. Oh yeah. (laughs) And so I remember when she was on stage, she looked like she had so much fun. She looked like she was like the bell of the ball. And I thought, huh, I feel like I should do that. I want to do that. And then in, I think the ninth grade, then I started getting more involved in our theater. I was always like these weird ensemble parts. Um, And it was fine. It was really fun. But I, I just loved being on stage. I loved to dance. I love to perform. I started performing in the color guard. So lots of twirling with sabers and rifles and flags. And so that was where I kind of got started where I just wanted to be in front of people. I just wanted to be in a crowd. I didn't need, didn't need to be the life of the party, but I wanted to show up and I wanted to have fun and I wanted to bring people joy. And so then I also started performing in some of the, the theater productions and had an amazing experience. I loved these people. It was one of the first times where I met people and I was like, these are my people. They're so weird and quirky and unafraid to be themselves and so loud, but also so quiet. There was so much introspection there. There was so much joy and love and a whole lot of fun. And so those are my people. I was still really involved with a bunch of different things. I was um, in the JROTC and I was, I graduated a company commander and I kind of thought for a while that I might go into the military and be an entertainment correspondent and, or not an entertainment correspondent. I thought I'd go into the military and be a, a correspondent and report on wars and different things. I thought that would be really fun. Don't know why I thought that would be fun, <laughs> but I think it was the idea of telling these stories, these stories that hadn't been told before and giving people a voice who didn't have one. So that was kind of one of my options. I was like, oh, that could be something really cool. I love rules. I love following the rules. I like knowing what is going to happen after A and B and C. I like plans. I love to do's. And so the military kind of seemed like it could be a choice. But what's funny is everyone around me went, no, absolutely not. You are not meant for this. Not because I wasn't organized and efficient and into these sorts of regulations, but they were like, you are too sparkly and ridiculous for this. And I went, okay, you're right, you're right. And so when I wasn't thinking about that, I also had been a member of the Color Guard and I was a member of the band and I went to band camp for four consecutive years, um, had a crush on a drummer who did not like me back. It was fine. I'm not petty or jealous, but hey, I'm here now. Hi. And so I also did, I was like my ASV president. Um, I was super involved. I was always doing a lot of things, but then I still hadn't really settled on the idea of being an actor because I think the idea of being an actor was scary because it was so not stereotypical. It was so not easy. It was a path of much resistance. And so I thought, okay, well, when I go to college, I think I want to do something that will allow me to talk to people, will allow me to tell stories and learn about everyone around me. And also that will, I don't know, earn me a paycheck. I mean, I am about that struggling afterlife, but I'm also about having like some nice things, a roof over my head. That's fine. I like those things. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's cool. I mean, a lot of my friends are struggling actors and they are so in it for the hustle. They love it. And I love it. But if I, if I never made any money ever, I think I'd be pretty sad. Yeah. (laughs) And so when I went to college, I 
had a dual degree in uh, broadcast communications and acting with a, uh, I had a degree at, wow, word. So <laughs> when I went to college, I had, um, I declared my majors in broadcast communications and theater arts. And so I also have a, a, a certificate in creative video. So I figured either way I could work in front of the camera or behind the camera, there would be options for me. And so when I went to college, I had so much fun. Again, I was always really involved. So I did like student government and did a bunch of things on campus. I danced, I sang, I did a lot of theater. I was president of my sorority. I was always really involved. I didn't really think that after college, I would be an actor. I kind of, I mean, I hoped, I prayed about it. I thought, oh my gosh, you know, what a dream that would be. I also had no idea what it would mean to actually be an actor. I had no idea it was random late night studying lines or sitting in a waiting room with 50 people who look like you and knowing the chances of getting a job are very slim. I had no idea, but there was just this romantic idea about it of being able to tell these stories and getting to meet these exciting people and be in these amazing rooms where magic could happen and getting to step in front of a camera and be someone else. It sounded so exciting to me and it was such a fun idea. And so when I graduated, I decided to move to New York. I got into this really amazing conservatory, um, a fantastic three-year conservatory that even though they set up all of their students for success, I realized pretty quickly that I just didn't belong. It didn't feel right for me. And I, so I stuck it out for the first semester, but I knew, I, I honestly knew probably two weeks in that I wasn't, it wasn't for me. So I had moved to New York and I thought, okay, well, the reason I moved here is no longer, it's not really an option anymore. And so luckily I had my background in like broadcast, broadcast communications and PR and marketing. I had done quite a few internships when I was in college. So it made sense for me to, to focus on kind of building a business and something else that I could be proud of. And I took a break from acting for a while. A lot of my friends at the time were bartending or they were catering or they were in these positions where they could be very flexible. So a lot of actors will, you know, not only are they bartending or catering, but they're servers or they work at a restaurant of some sort, which is amazing. I tried it and felt so miserable. I knew that I wanted something that at the end of the day, I could look back on and be really proud of. And even if I never had, if I never got paid to be on a set again, I'm like, okay, well, I will have something that's mine. And so I started interning and assisting at a bunch of different places. And I worked at Blackberry and Uber and a ton of different tech startups. And so I got a lot of, a lot of experience there. I busted my chops, learned a lot of things, got a lot of people coffee, um, Mm -hmm. and slowly just kept growing and learning. And I'm very grateful that I've been able to build this kind of separate career that I'm also really proud of. um, But that isn't all I am. So about two years ago, I left the corporate world. Um, my last position before I went full-time as an honor host and actor for myself, my last role was I was leading a team of 15 at Verizon's headquarters in New York. And I remember there was this day, every single day people would come in and they would say, oh my gosh, it was such a long day. I can't believe I'm already back at work, but at least lunch is soon. So that would be 8 a.m., 10 a.m., oh my gosh, is it, oh, is the day over yet? Oh my gosh, when is lunch? And then everyone would start looking up lunch options and then they would go to lunch and they're like, oh, lunch was so great. Is it the end of the day yet? And then two o'clock would roll around. This has been such a long day. Is it the end of the day yet? Five o'clock, oh my gosh, it's the end of the day. And people would be out literally 5.01, half the office would be cleared out. And I remember thinking to myself, this is fine this is okay. It's not enough. It's not enough for me. A lot of my friends love the corporate world. They love the stability. I mean, it is great to know where your paycheck is coming. Do not, do not get me wrong. But I also wanted something that was exciting and so fun and so fulfilling. And my original intention when I went into the corporate world was, okay, I'm going to get a few years under my belt. I'm going to get some you know, practice it. I'm going to make sure I have a job that will allow me to build up a nest egg. And so that way I can go and do more acting. And then I looked up 
three or four years have passed, five years have passed, and I've been on maybe two auditions because working in the corporate world does not allow you to go and jet off to go do an audition, let alone be gone for three, four, five days on set. It's just not something that is possible. There are people now who have, you know, assistant positions or administrative roles where they can be gone. Um, but kind of the career track I was on, I knew that one day I would have a corner office. I got promoted very quickly in about five years. So a bunch of different roles. And one of the last roles I left was a director position. And I thought, is this what I want? Is this ladder? I'm seeing it right in front of me and it's fantastic. And you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of zeros on these paychecks. Like this could be exciting. And I thought, no, not for me. And so my last job was about two years ago and I've been full-time as an actor and an on-air host and a content creator since then. And it has been a wild journey, not always easy, but always worth it. And so here I am today, talking with you. Yay! That was so beautiful and I loved it. Thank (laughs) you for sharing all of that. I just want to like a question that came up for me while I was listening was like, it seems like you were very, I guess like okay with discovery. Like even as a kid, it seemed like, okay, I'm just like enjoying my friends and being here. And like, so when you, you know, when you, did you ever feel like, scared um or like okay I'm leaving this corporate job did you have fear or did anything try to hold you back or did you feel like like where did this confidence come from of being like okay I got this or or was this because you had like a great support system or you know what what allowed you and gave you the permission like how did you allow yourself to say you know what I deserve this and not get stuck in the trap that so many people do um what was that process for you? And how did you uh, take such a great leap of faith and end up exactly where you ended up? That is such a great question. First of all, thank you. <laughs> What's funny is even today, I, I see where I am and I've definitely come a long way. But also I think, you know, there's still so much more I want to do. There's so many opportunities out there. And I think where that confidence comes from is I I started with nothing. There are so many people I know who come from picture-perfect families. You know, parents have been married for 30 years. They grew up in these beautiful homes. They had, like, I know I know quite a few actors who are trust fund babies, which is amazing, but not my life. I grew up in a very poor family, um, single-parent household. I had no connections, knew no one. And there was always this idea of, what do you have to lose? what do you have to lose? So when I said yes, I just kept saying yes, because I think the fear is always there. There's always this idea of anything could happen. And oh my gosh, the world might stomp all over me and I'll have nothing. But there was always this idea of like, okay, well, what if you fall? But what if you fly? There are so many opportunities that we hold ourselves back from simply because we think like, oh my gosh, the world is falling. It's like the world might be falling, but that doesn't mean that you can't find ways to soar and do things that are going to make you happy. There is this really great, uh, there's this really fantastic movie called The Croods. Um, have you seen it? No. I, I think it's The it, Croods? The Croods, spelled C-R-O-O-D-S. It's about cavemen. <laughs> and it's it's amazing. I love all those like animated movies that are just, they're meant for kids, but really when you watch them as an adult, you're like, oh, that hit me deep. That's how I feel about like Coco and yes. Up and Wally. So in The Croods is all about these, this caveman family who essentially the, the story starts that they have outlived many of the people around them because their, their friends or the people they knew weren't able to adjust or they weren't able to, they got, one person got got the common cold and then the whole family was out or they got stuck in a tar pit. It's a very silly premise. But one of the things that has kept them alive is that their their dad, um, Grug, he is very strong. And also he, he says, he talks about how fear will keep them safe. And there's this one really pivotal moment in the movie where the daughter, Eep, um, Eep has found, Eep is really young and she's just kind of coming into her own and she's wanting to explore and she's wanting to do so much more than what is in front of her. And there's this moment where she has the choice to stay or go. And her dad says, you know, go back into the cave, Eep, it's safe, it's safe. 
And she goes, that wasn't living. That was just not dying. And that has always, always stuck with me. This idea of we have the circumstances we have. You cannot change what family you were born into. You can't change how much money you have, at least in the beginning. Um, <laughs> you can't change all these things, but the way you look at it can change everything. It's all about that perspective. I could have easily been someone who just wallowed and was like, all right, this is just what I'm doing. But even I think about that moment when I moved to New York, I was so scared because I'm a weirdo. I moved to New York from San Diego, had never even been in New York before I packed up my bags and left. So when I touched down in New York for the first time, that was the first time I'd ever seen it. And I hated it. Immediately, I took this horrible cab ride that was just atrocious. I just remember him, the cab driver, zipping in and out of traffic. And me, I... I was just like so excited, no makeup, in this like maxi dress that was like dragging on the ground, my two suitcases. I was so excited. And I thought, I think I'm gonna die in this cab. Well, <laughs> at least I made it to New York. And so I lived in New York. I think within two weeks, I was just so unhappy because I knew, I, I knew pretty immediately that I hated the conservatory I was going to. I knew that those types of the people who were there, even though they were very kind, they came for the most part from very privileged backgrounds. And I have had to claw and do anything by any means to get where I was at that point. And I, I remember, you know, I had like a GoFundMe to help to help pay for like basic books and things. Like I was bartending. I was working from I think like 7 p.m. until 4 a.m. and then coming to class at 7 a.m. every single day. And that was me. And it was fine. A lot of the people I went to school with didn't see that. And I remember thinking, I moved my whole life here. And I'm unhappy. I'm so unhappy. And I'm broke. And I don't know what I'm doing. And so it took a long time. I think it was a solid, I would think it was a solid year before I even liked New York. But it would have been so easy for me to say, you know, this is so messed up. I hate this place. I was misled. I thought this was going to be great. But, you know, there's always a sob story. There's always reasons. There are always so many reasons telling you to go. And I think it's so important to find a reason to stay because that's how you win. There is this really fantastic book by Jenna Fisher, who played Pam Beasley on The Office, also known as my favorite show of all time. <laughs> and Pam, Pam tells a story where she met uh, Molly Shannon at a party. And Molly Shannon said something along the lines of, don't quit. Don't ever quit. You have to stay in it. Because Jenna, I think Jenna was like crashing this party at the time and just saw Molly Shannon. And Molly Shannon was one of her heroes on SNL. And when Molly told her like, something along the lines of, you know, I was in this industry for 10 years. I was here for 10 years before anyone noticed me, before I got my break, 10 years. And she's like, if I had gone home, none of this would have ever happened. And I, that's something that has always stuck with me because so much of success, doesn't matter what industry you're in, so much of a success is showing up, prepared, ready to go, and just being willing to say yes. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. And like, you even made me a little emotional too. I'm just like, oh, I love <laughs> all of that. And I actually need to get that book because my last person that I interviewed is my friend Mark. And he brought up Jenna Fisher too in the, in the interview. So I definitely need to check that out. Thank you so much for being so vulnerable and for saying that. Oh, of course. Um, of course. Let's talk about this. Um, this is the next question I want to lead in, which is what is the lesson that has taken you the longest to learn? Ooh, easy. <laughs> No is a full sentence. <laughs> yeah, that's the lesson. I am such, I'm so much of a people pleaser. And growing up, that was always me. If if there was ever an argument taking place between friends, I would distract. I would come in with a funny joke. There, I'm, I make lots of references. So sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, um, don't. One of my favorite yeah. movies is Miss Congeniality um, with Sandra Bullock. And there's a scene uh, in Miss Congeniality. It's seriously one of my favorite movies, so I probably watch it like once every two weeks. Um, there's a fight happening between Miss Hawaii and Miss New Jersey. It's a very stupid argument. And the first thing she says is something like, just very silly to break the ice. And that's always been me. I don't like confrontation. I don't like arguments. If we can get along, I say, let's get along. Let's go out for tacos. Let's go for cupcakes. Let's just smush 
whatever kind of drama is happening. And so being a people pleaser has been something that's helped me a lot in my career, both when I was in the corporate world and working in tech companies, but also as an actor. But it's also something that has been so hindering because when you're in the middle, when you cannot always say yes, you cannot pour from an empty cup. One of the things that always stays with me is when you get on a plane, they say in the safety video, they say, you know, put your mask on first before helping others. And that is so prevalent and so important and so vital because there is this idea, I think as people and especially as women and especially in the performing arts where you you want to, you don't want to ever be a diva. You don't want anyone to ever have a mean word to say about you. So you just are kind and you're nice, but maybe you say yes to things that you shouldn't because you don't want to say no. And I think what took me a long time to realize is that no is a full sentence. It is okay to be, to put yourself first and that it is not being selfish. It is believing in self-care and that when you are in a better place because you've taken time to yourself or, you know, you've turned down a role that you just don't feel comfortable with, when you put yourself first, that's when you're a bit better able to serve others. And that's also when you, I think, are, you feel so much more empowered. It's an amazing thing, learning to say yeah. no and also learning to say yes when appropriate. Yeah. And it's so funny you say that because actually in my last interview as well with Mark, um, we were talking about my brother has the same thing where he's a yes man. He says yes. And he would always have to do like the unnecessary tasks around the house that he didn't want to do or pick us up from school. Or he'd always be like, why does everybody just keep like, why do I have to do all these things? And I was like, I never had that problem. I was very like, no, I can't. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Like I was very no. And, um, I was saying, I was just like saying how it's also funny how Oprah, that's her biggest lesson that she had to learn too, because she says that she suffered from the disease to please where she's just wanted to please. And it was a disease. And, um, she says the longest it's taken her to learn because even so, like people would ask her for money and things like that. And it's just like, you get to a point where it's like, obviously everybody knows that you have money. And so they come and ask for you, like, do you want to donate to this charity? $50,000. It's like, actually, no. <laughs> and it was really hard for her because people would just show up at her doorstep and be like, hey, Oprah, like my husband left me. Like I need your help. And she'd be like, you know, and she would constantly say yes. So um, I just think that's so interesting. Um, so let's move on to our next question. And this is, what is your best habits that you are proud of and that you think that others could benefit from if they just incorporated more of this in their life? Easy. Saying please and thank you. <laughs> that is, it should not be something that is as important as it is. Um, one of the things I think has helped me a lot in my career as a content creator specifically is that I always say please and thank you. And by that, I mean, yes, saying the words please and thank you, but at every event I go to, I make it a point to go find the person who invited me and I make sure to thank them. I say, let me take you out to coffee. I really appreciate this. This was such a great event. I go out of my way to be kind. And even as simple as I, almost every event I go to, I send out a thank you card afterwards. And I send out a little thank you gift. It doesn't have to be anything big. I mean, a card will cost me like 45 cents. A stamp is 50. But the amount of work I have that has come to me because people were like, oh my gosh, Melanie, thank you so much. You know, I... I haven't gotten a thank you card from a content creator or an influencer since I started this job. And I'm like, wait, how long have you been in this job? And they're like five years. And that is insane to me because I am so grateful to do what I do. I think it also goes back to when you come from nothing, you, there's only one way to go and it's up. And so when I'm in these rooms, I realize how much work has gone into them. I went to this really beautiful gala on behalf of the Kips Bay Boys and Girls Club recently. And it was at Cipriani's. It was stunning. I mean, the, it was, oh my gosh, I'm it was sorry. amazing. Yeah, it was beautiful. So elegant. So, so stunning. And I mean, this was not an inexpensive place to be. Tickets started at $1,500 to get in the door. I mean, I didn't pay that, thankfully. Thank <laughs> you to the team that sponsored me. But I... I am always grateful. I know that not everyone has these opportunities. And while these opportunities were definitely not just handed to me, 
I also know that there are a lot of things that happen behind the scenes to make them happen. And so going into every room and being kind and being grateful has changed my career. It really has. I, so every time I, I make it a habit, I have, I usually carry like a 10 pack of cards with, you know, a really great inky pen and like cute stamps and a little bit of washi tape or something. I always carry them in my bag. And after every event on my way home, I write those thank you cards while I'm on the train. And so, you know, when I get out of the train, I I immediately pop it into the mailbox and I forget about it. And then I would say probably three or four times a week, I get thank you emails going, oh my gosh, that was the sweetest thing. I haven't ever received a card. I get that response so often. And what's funny is I am not by any means trying to suck up. I'm not writing these thank you cards because I think I'm going to get business from them. There is no, there's no trade-off. There's nothing that, there's no reason that I'm doing it other than being grateful and wanting to be kind and wanting to thank someone for their time and for thinking of me to attend their event or to work on this project or whatever it is. And I think this kind of ties into one of the things that has kind of changed my career is being kind. I think it's going the extra mile. It's never crowded. Going that extra mile has changed everything. And I think it's, what's funny is it's really starting to transform into something else. I mean, I met, so the the lovely human I went to uh, the gala on behalf of this past week, um, her name's Rayella, and she is the kindest human. And about a year ago, I was invited to one of her, the like these really fun intimate events. I was a plus one for someone, and I went and I was I made it a point to just be grateful and to be kind and get create lots of content and you know just be a generally nice human being. And while some of the other people on the trip like they got very sick, they like had a lot to drink. Um, there were lots of tipsy people. A lot of people getting a little overindulgent. And I remember she looked at me during the middle of this and she's like. I don't think we'll be doing this again, but you and I, we need to do something again. And I was like, Oh, thanks. But the thing is I wasn't invited to that party. It wasn't my name on the list, but I, I was coming as a guest, but as a guest, I was more professional than almost everyone on that trip. And then from there, we, you know, she invited me to this really wonderful event in the Hamptons. And then we went to all these other things. And that's how I ended up at this gala. And going back to, you know, I didn't have any connections. I didn't know anybody, but I came to New York and I, I found a way to just be kind and incorporate that into what I was doing. And all those things have led me to all these other things and more opportunities keep coming simply because I'm doing something that's different. And that also still feels very genuine to me. Um, Cause I know some people don't like thank you cards. Like they don't like writing them. They don't like, you know, like they're not, pen and paper people, which is fine. But that's something that I love. And that is something that I just will probably always do just because it's fun for me. If it wasn't fun for me, I would stop. Um, Because there are other ways to thank people besides just a pen and paper kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. That's so beautiful. And like, even just listening to you talk, like you're inspiring me, you know what I mean? I send my thank yous and I do my things, you know, like that, because it's always recommended. But I think it's just even solid advice, like for anybody, is just be a nicer person. You can never, you can never go wrong with being a nicer person. And um, like you said, like you know, just being genuine and authentic, and be coming from that space instead of being like, I need to go, I need to network, I need to do this, and I need to make sure that you like me. And okay, now that you like me, now like I'm just gonna send a thank you card because I expect something from you. It's like mm-hmm. you're coming from this entitlement versus like. Whereas you're saying like, I'm just coming from, I'm really grateful to just even be in this position. I'm really grateful for your time. I'm really grateful to just meet you. And here's a genuine like symbol of my gratitude of a thank you. And I don't need anything in return except the simple fact of that. I'm just genuinely grateful. And I think because you come from that space, like it shows. And like, even when I've met you and I've chatted with you, like you've always just been so, so light and kind and you know, like the conversations that we've had, like at Actors Launchpad, plug. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, girl. <laughs> They're the best. But like, just you've always been so kind and warm and welcoming, and um, and so it's just like it, you can tell that that's where you're, where you sit, and it's 
it's beautiful and it's admirable. So yeah, oh thank gosh, you for that too. You are so lovely. And I, I just wanted to take a second to, again, thank you. I think uh, you are such a kind human and I love, I think that's one of the reasons why we get along yeah. <laughs> because we both just want to be nice people. And I think as an actor, that has been one of the most helpful things, just going into every room and not going, oh my gosh, if I don't book this person, book this gig, then I'm not going to be able to do X, Y, Z. When I go into rooms as an actor and I audition, it's never, oh my gosh, I have to book this. It's, oh, hey, how are you? It's so good to see you again. Oh, how's your dog doing? Like, oh, he's so cute. You know, having those genuine connections with people. What's funny is that I don't think this is not being self-deprecating. I honestly, I'm not the most beautiful person in the room. I'm never the most talented. I'm 100% not the smartest, but I will be damned if I am not the nicest, kindest person in that room. I'll be damned if I'm not the person who goes out of the way to make you feel like you're a part of the group. And that has been a huge factor. And I think why I've had some even inkling of success, it's simply, especially when it comes to theater or film, People want to know, whether it's a casting director or an agent or another actor, they want to know that you're going to come onto the set and be professional, know what you're doing, but also that you're going to be easy to work with. For great shows, I just had this really awesome um, series regular pilot audition. And I think one of the things is like when you, so a pilot, it could run up to seven years. I mean, it could, I mean, it could even run longer than that. And you don't want to work with someone who is going to be a diva, who is going to be cruel, who's going to gossip. You don't want any of those things. You can teach anyone to do anything. You cannot teach them to be kind. And that is something that is so important. And I think we forget about that. So being in this industry, um, it's all about who you know. It really, truly is. And you don't have to come in with any connections because you can build them. There are so many projects that I've worked on simply because the casting director met me at an audition and you know I wasn't a right fit for that role but they're like you were so nice and I loved our conversation I think you'd be great for this or I work with someone on a set um, another actor and he goes okay this this other person just dropped out and I recommended you to the producer and he thinks you're a great fit so like can you come in tomorrow and I'm like great awesome just I think building that building that that sense of I don't know wanting just wanting to have a good experience and wanting other people to have a good experience is so important as a performer and really any industry because that's how that's how I got all of my jobs even if I wasn't qualified people were like oh well you're willing to learn and you're nice and not everyone is either of those things and I will add you are stunning because you said <laughs> my now I'm like a girl like flawless you skin so beautiful good. hair like beautiful smile like you are stunning I, you are admire your, you. <laughs> I admire your humbleness, but you are beautiful. You photograph gorgeous, like you're extremely smart as well. And you so have funny. a lot going for you. Uh, you as well. But I think the thing is though, it's like, I think you, in our industry as actors, we meet so many people who are drop dead gorgeous. And then there's no substance. There's not oh, like, oh, you can carry a conversation or like, oh, you're someone I want to be around on set. And in our industry, you know, you can, you can work anywhere once, sure, but will they bring you back? If, you're, if you say mean things or if you're not easy to work with, absolutely not. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. All right. So let's say this. What is something that you wish more people knew about you? Oh, <laughs> um, that's a good question. What's funny is I feel like I'm pretty much an open book. So whenever people ask me things, I'm like, yep, you know, here are the period products I use. Here's whatever. Well, I'm also, it doesn't help that I'm, um, I'm an ambassador for Always and Tampax. They're p and oh, And nice. so I, ta- I actually talk about period products and feminine care products quite often. <laughs> nice. I know that you yeah. do these like Friday uh, faves, right? Is that like, yeah, a- yeah. how did you get into that? I just do, um, so every Friday I do, uh, kind of like a series or like a roundup of things that I'm loving this week. It could be something that a brand sent me or like a favorite quote that I love from a book. Um, it could be like the five things I'm grateful for today. So I just wanted to have something that every Friday I could talk about. Um, it's a very, what's funny about this kind of content creator influencer world and specifics is that there's always so much focus on you as a human, which is great. But also I wanted to share the brands that I loved and I wanted to share 
the things that were inspiring or things that I thought would really benefit other people. And so I do a lot of segments on like fashion and lifestyle overall for different mediums. Like I've done things for NBC's New York Live and I love those things. Um, I also love the idea of something being very unproduced. So with my Friday Fame series, I literally would just like look around my apartment and go, okay, what am I using a lot right now? I don't, I don't prepare these things. I literally will sit them in front of my window and then I pick them up and talk about them. Or I'll pick out like a quote that I was just reading and we'll go, I'll go, okay, I'm just going to talk about this. I never prepare them. They're always a little off the cuff, but I think that keeps it fun because I think one of the things that people, I think people do see this about me because I'm very quirky and weird. Um, but I think there's this idea that people who create content or influencers or tastemakers, whatever you want to call them, there's this idea that we're not real people. Again, I don't, I don't, I don't feel that much about, I don't feel that way specifically for me as a human um, because I am really silly and I think people get that from me. Um, but there can be so much bullying and trolling and mean things that people say to one another because they are behind the screen and they feel like they're safe. And while it hasn't happened to me, I, I know enough people who have suffered from online bullying and those types of things. And I think it's important to realize that like, whether you have a thousand followers, 500, a hundred thousand, that we still have to be, we're, we're all in this together, you know, or no one's getting out of this alive unless you're a cat, in which case you'll get out alive for like <laughs> eight more, eight more times. So I think, I think one of the things I wish people knew is that we only have each other, like all the things in our closets, like those aren't going to matter. Like, you know, all these nice things that you own, all the the drama that we have every day. Yes, it's important in the moment, but the, the grand scheme of things, it's so much more important to to be careful with the words we say to one another because mm-hmm. people will hear something and they'll carry it with them for years. And it, it it's so easy to let what people say about you be how you feel about yourself and what you say about yourself. So I wish people knew that, that it's again it's important to be kind and also that every person is going through a battle that you have no clue about yeah yeah it's beautiful so beautiful and it's so true because I was listening to I think it was an interview with Julia Roberts and Oprah and amazing human I know right it was such a good interview and uh, Julie Roberts was talking about how she didn't have an Instagram and, you know, like it wasn't really a thing for her, but she has, um, like they have, you know, obviously now celebrities are understanding the importance of having an Instagram and how they can, you know, use that for leverage as, you know, creating their brand and, um, stuff like that. And so she said, you know what, like I'm going to do it. And so she posted one day, like a picture of her and, um, what is her niece's name? I'm totally blanking on it right now. Emma um, Roberts. She's yes, amazing. Emma. Yeah, Emma. And so she took a picture with them and they were just, they were having like the best day ever. They were just like, she was enjoying her niece and they were playing game outside and they just took like a selfie and they posted it, like didn't edit nothing. Like it was just, they posted it. And Julia Roberts says that when she read through the comments, people were like, wow, she looks so old. Like, Oh my God. Mm. Like, and like she said that she was surprised that so many people didn't know that Emma was her, her niece. And that like, she's like, but the things that really stuck with her was just like how bad she looked and like, it really affected her. And she was saying on the thing where she's like, she's like, I'm successful. I'm validated in my community. I, you know, like I don't, I have a strong skin she goes I cannot imagine kids growing up in these ages that don't have that and like her saying that like really struck me because it's like it's so true like you can hurt anyone's feelings whether it's Oprah whether it's like anybody as much as validation as they have in the world mean still hurts you know and and like and I've had comments come to me sometimes where like people will say something I'm just like oh wow like that was kind of like off and I've like received like maybe one or two where you're just like, Ooh, like where was that coming mm-hmm. from? And it like, it will stay with you the whole entire day. And like, it can be almost self-deprecating because you start thinking to yourself like, well, why did they say that? Well, did they mean it? Well, is it true? Like, you know? And so I'm just glad you brought that up because I just, and like for anybody even listening or just like people that, you know, have had that situation, like I just want them to know that like, they're just coming from a mean place and that, you know. Yeah. I think a lot of times what people say about other people is more 
more of a reflection of that person mm. because when so you know i think instagram and all these social media sites and platforms they're all for the most part they're highlight reels like i think that's something that's very important to know every day do i get glamorous and wear crazy amounts of color no no a lot of days i look very schlubby i have no makeup on i am sitting on my couch like answering like 700 emails not really maybe like <laughs> 50 emails um and it's very it's so easy to compare it's so easy and i mean why wouldn't you because you see these people in these stunning locations and they're wearing these flowing dresses and you know they just look like they have no cares in the world and they don't look like they have a job and it's easy to say why can't why is my life not like that why do i not have that and the thing is is that there's this quote about the sun and the moon, you know, and both of them have their time to shine, but they're different. And comparing one to the other is just, it's not something that's tangible because they are, they're not even in the same kind of space. Yeah. And when you learn to be okay with shining a little differently, I think that's a very beautiful thing. Yeah. And you're so right because like, even just you saying that, like sometimes like I'll be at home or I'm working or, you know, I'm, you know, working with Actors Fast Track or, you know, I'm trying to work with brands or I'm trying to like set up a podcast or even right now, like I'm not wearing makeup, like I'm wearing like leggings and stuff like that. Or I'll just like think to myself, like, oh, like I want to make sure I'm outside in a cute coffee shop and I should be doing this. But it's mm -hmm. like, but all of this stuff is so curated and like even my social media, like but I do it for a purpose because I want to make sure that I'm being inspiring. And like, I look at other people that have really pretty feeds like you or like other friends of mine that have beautiful feeds. And I'm like, it brings joy to my heart to see other people's feeds look really pretty. And it actually brings a lot of joy to my heart when my feed looks pretty. So I like yeah. enjoy creating it. And it's, it's, it brings, it's, it's, it's a fun way to be creative and touch people. Then people obviously like it. And then they start mm -hmm. following you because they're like, Oh, I like, I like what you're doing and what you're up to. And you start meeting all these people and creating these authentic, awesome relationships with people. So there is beauty in like social media and there is beauty in all of that stuff. So, but it is true. Like it is a highlight reel. And I just, I hope people know that and that they're very aware of that. All right, so let's go into a new question. And uh, this one is advice you would give your younger self. Ooh. Oh my gosh, there's so many things. I had bangs for a while. They were really <laughs> unfortunate. Why did no one tell me that that was not okay? Ugh. Okay, let's see. There's so much. Oh my gosh, really, the bangs were atrocious. So bad. I'm there. I look back on photos and I'm like, okay, I trust none of you. I hate all of you. There was oh, no. also this time, unrelated to like anything important, but when do you remember the back in the day in like the 90s when skinny eyebrows were really cool? Oh, yeah. That was an unfortunate time. So my eyebrows are already skinny and like pretty much non existent. <laughs> um, and so, girl, I'm wearing a lot of eyebrow pencils. <laughs> it's so real. And so, me being me, I was like, ooh, well my eyebrows are already in and so I'm just going to pluck them more. And so I have like the worst eyebrows of all time and no one told me and they're like, you're so cute. And I'm like, I don't trust anyone anymore. I hate everyone. Um, <gasps> oh no. Ugh, yeah, it was bad. Um, things that I wish I had known earlier. Wear sunscreen. That's very yeah. important. Oh my gosh. Just as an adult, you realize that your skin is now catching up to things you did like 10 years ago. So now I have like little sunspots and um, when I go to get my skin checked out, they're like, yeah, those spots are probably from like 10 years ago. And I'm like, that is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I think I would say if I was to talk to my 10, like myself when I was younger, I think I would say it's okay to be different. I was always really quirky and I, I had such a good experience. There was always this kind of fear of, oh my gosh, I have to find out what I'm going to do. I have to, I have to know what is next. I never knew what was next. And putting that pressure on yourself is not good. That's not fun. And I think the idea of it being, a, it's okay to not know what you want to do. I mean, even now I just had this, um, I had this interview for this um, on-air hosting role that's in Connecticut, which would be cool. But I originally, when I first had the, when I first had, when they first reached out to me, I thought, no, I don't, is that what I want to do? Mm, I, I don't know. We talk ourselves into a lot of things that we don't want to do. And we talk ourselves out of a lot of things we don't want to do. And I think 
what I would tell my younger self to trust your gut. It is very rarely wrong. And your first instinct, especially even as an actor, you know, when you read a script for the first time, one of the things that I was encouraged to do less of is like when you're reading that script the first for the first time, don't say it out loud and like try to put a, a thing on it. Like, oh, I think this person sounds angry, so I'm gonna be angry when I read it. So no, one of the first things you should do as an actor is just read this just read the script without without adding any layers on. Because usually that first read is the most authentic. That's the closest you're going to be because you're looking at something with fresh eyes. And when someone, when you have a conversation with someone, if you're planning, if you're thinking about what they're saying for a really long time, then you're going to, you know, you're going to craft your reply in a very specific way. But if you just listen to them with no intention of thinking like, oh, this is how I should respond. Or like, oh, that's so interesting. Here's a story that I can talk about myself where I can you know, interject when we, when we actually just fully are aware and present and are listening, that's when like the universe tells us what it needs to tell us. And also that's when, you know, that's when you get, you get the real feel for the scene or the sides or whatever you're reading as an actor. It's a very big acting lesson that comes out and helps so much in real life. The idea of not preparing what you're going to say next and not, not putting your own kind of judgments onto something. Yeah, I love that so much. Even like when I'm doing the podcast too, like I love it because it's been a lesson for me to learn. Like, I mean, a lesson in listening because I listen a lot. Like I have to listen a lot, obviously, because especially for my podcast, like I shared with you before we started recording is I, I don't want to ever um, like interject with my, my guests. Like I want to give them like the free space to speak and just to share their thoughts and then like let it allow it to just be like a two-way combo, you know? And um it's been so great because even like when I'm not recording now, I'll be like, mm-hmm. like I've, I've become a little bit of a better listener because I'm not like cutting people off and being like, Oh my God. Yeah. Because I, Oh wait, wait, Oh wait, you're still telling that story. Like it's like, mm-hmm. no, they are still telling that story. So it's just like allowing someone to like have space to speak and just let them talk and not. And so it is a lesson in learning and acting too, because acting is the same way. Acting is very like listening and being that organic stuff. So I love that so much. All right, we're going to play a game. Oh, tell me. Let's go. Oh, yay. (laughs) One of the things that's been really helpful for me as an adult is one of the bad habits that we've picked up as a society is someone will be saying something. So maybe the statement is, you know, I went to this, I went on this date and like, and our habit, our initial instinct is to go, it was really bad, wasn't it? Or like, oh, it was really good. Or, oh my gosh, like we finish each other, we finish people's sentences and we try to fill in the space. And I think one of the most important lessons is that you don't always have to fill the space. Sometimes people, I mean, what as real life people, we're still searching for our thoughts. And when someone, when someone cuts you off in that manner, that's when you start to feel like, oh, well then what I have to say really isn't that important or yeah, you know, like this conversation could go on without me or, Oh, you don't feel like I'm saying something worthwhile enough to wait to hear what, what the rest of that is. And I think that's so, so important and definitely a piece of advice I'd give to myself now. So if you're saying something Liz, and you're like trying to find your words, I will literally leave you hanging there for like 45 <laughs> seconds. I want to hear like sometimes we take a while to figure out what we're, what we really want to say. And so that's something that I've kind of developed as an adult where I'm like, I'm gonna leave you there. I'm here. I'm just so you know, I'm supporting you, but I want you to work out whatever you're working at. I, w- I want to hear exactly what you were trying to say the way you want to say it. Right. And like, even so you say that it's so funny because for me growing up, I've always been very in touch with like feeling and like words. So it's like, I'm really feeling like this and I'm, I'm very open and vulnerable. Like I allow myself to be vulnerable um, with anybody. Like if I'm sad and someone goes, what's wrong? I'll be like, well, I'm hurt because this happened. But there's so many people that like, they don't know how to tell you or like they don't, they'll just be like nothing. And you're just like, for me, I'm like, what do you mean nothing? Obviously something's going on. What is it? And they're like, I just, I don't know. And you're like, you don't know what? What is the word you're trying to say? Something is bothering you. Love it. Love I need it. to know what is it. And like, just spit it out already. And you're just like, <laughs> so And so I think it is like allowing people to have their set space that don't feel as comfortable. And that's been such a challenge for me to be like, okay, well, when you're ready, 
I am here and I love you and we can talk about it. And I want you to always know that like, I'm always someone you can talk to and you come to it. Cause I have been known to be very like, you know, especially like more introverted people. I'm very, I just don't understand their point of view when they're like that. So, okay. We're going to play a game and ready and it's a word game. So, um, it's just whatever is the first thing that comes up to your mind and we can talk about it. We can flow with it. But so let's go into the first word I will say is health. Happy there. Nice. Nice. I'm going to say <laughs> joy. Love. Love. Um, creating. Space. Space. Nice. I don't know why. It's, oh, there's this really great song called Empty Space, right? It's, it's Empty Space by James Arthur. And every time I'm in a studio, like when they ask like, okay, what kind of music do you want to play? What, what kind of music? And I'm always like, Empty Space by James Arthur. And so I always associate it now with being open and being ready to play. And so Empty Space by James Arthur is my jam. Wow. I love that so much. <laughs> I love that so Please much. go listen to it. It's so good. Oh my God. I will. What does the word light mean to you? Joy. Mm. I think I have this, um, there's this quote. I want to, I'm not quite, I think it might be by Walt Disney, but he said, he says something along the lines of keep your face to the sun and the shadows will fall behind you. Mm. And I think that is such a, it's a much more eloquent way than I would put it. I'd be like, keep your chin up, kid. <laughs> not eloquent. Um, but I love the idea of, of always searching for light or chasing light or finding finding ways to be positive and be warm and find ways to put yourself in places that you're not going to be surrounded by darkness. And um, yeah, I love the idea of chasing the light and finding your light. And also as an actor, find your light because you can't be acting in the dark, y'all. <laughs> Literally. Good lesson. Literally. So, a question that just came up for me right now, just like talking organically, like, you are such a light. You are so <laughs> positive and you're such a lighthouse. And I just want to know for you, it's like, I think it's such an important question to ask people. What do you do when you don't find light? What do you do when you're in the lulls? Um, whether that's in your career or anything where you're just feeling down, what do you do for yourself to stay in a positive mindset, to have a good perspective on life? And when those lulls come, how do you cope with them? And um yeah this any of that yeah that is a really good question because what's funny is that this february was actually the first month that i have ever in the past two years of working for myself it was the first month that i was not profitable like i didn't even break even on what i was what i was spending versus what i was making didn't even break it didn't even come close and it was this Mind you, I have I have a savings because I've been working for myself, and as an actor and a content creator, you never know exactly when your next paycheck is going to come. So I I was okay, but there was this idea suddenly of, is this not what I'm meant to be doing? Should I go back into the corporate world? Should I be doing something else? Is this does this the industry is the industry not looking for me right now, or am I not relevant? There are always those questions that come up, and the first thing I let myself do is sit in it. Let yourself be in that place. I think when we try to push, a, when, when bad feelings start to arise and we immediately start to push them away, it only makes it worse. Um, there's this movie called Inside Out by Pixar where uh, Amy Poehler, also known as the most amazing human known to man, right. um, Amy Poehler <laughs> plays this character called Joy. And so the premise of this movie is that, have you seen, have you yes, seen Inside yes. Out? Yes, love it. Oh, so good. And so... One of the premises of the movie is that all um, there's this girl, Riley, and within Riley, there are five different emotions. So there's like joy, sadness, anger, fear, disgust. And so all of these characters feel this one way singularly. There's no, there's no variation. So like joy is always looking to be very positive. She tries to turn everything into a great thing. Fear is always scared of everything. You know, disgust is like, why are we doing this? also played by Mindy Kaling, so it's fantastic. Um, and it's this idea of, one of the things I love about the movie is like, in our minds, like being joyful all the time would be great, like yes. But also, we do need to let ourselves feel those other things. And if you don't let yourself feel those other things, 
when you finally do, it's like the dam is collapsing and all of those things happen at once. And I think that that can be a very dangerous way to live because then you spiral and the spiral mm -hmm. is, uh, is just awful. No one wants that. And so when I do feel sad, which happens all the time, I mean, I'm an actor and there are lots of days where I don't get callbacks or I went in for this role that I just loved and heard nothing. There's a lot of that, or I'm going, uh, I submit myself for this campaign and all these other people with larger numbers who are more beautiful and who have these bikini bodies, they book them. And I think, why am I not enough? And so when I have those feelings, the first thing I try to really do is I let myself feel it. And then I go and surround myself with people who I know love me and support me because you, you can't do this alone. And yes, I mean, I, I like to process things on my own, but then when I, when I'm looking for solutions or when I'm looking to dig myself out of that hole, I go and turn to the people who I know will be there unconditionally. And I think that's really important because if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Yeah. And you need to surround yourself with people who want the best for you. I think that's the only way you can get out of this life. Um, otherwise, it's, it's so easy to just continue yeah. down that spiral and keep feeling like you are not enough. And so you need, you need your tribe, your people who are going to say, you are worthy, you are enough, you are everything that you want. And even though this is tough, there are better things on the horizon. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that so much. And you said that so beautifully. It's like, so interesting. Like yesterday, I actually recorded a, a podcast with Mark and um, he asked me a question and I guess like we were just like flowing similar how we are. And he asked me a question. He's like, I'm just kind of curious, Liz, because he's like, well, maybe I should say this at the end. I was like, no, no, like, it's okay. Like you could ask me, like, we're just in flow. And he's like, well, I just wanted to know, like, you seem like such a positive person, but like, I want to know more about your dark side and what's your relationship with the dark side. And and so he made me like answer a question that kind of made me kind of like reflect in my past and bring up some things about like my childhood. And I shared with him about like that I had like kind of a darker childhood. And it was so interesting because yesterday I was kind of like cleaning the house and I was just like, let me just like listen to the episode with him. And I had to like listen to what I said. And um, when I was listening to it, I, it made me relive these moments in my childhood. and it was so emotional for me listening to myself say those things that I started crying and I like, I started bawling and my dog like even ran up to me and she was like giving me this like emotional support. And it was just like this like moment of just like allowing myself to just feel it. And while I was feeling it, I was already telling myself like, Oh, get out of that. Like, don't worry about it. Get over it. It's not a big deal. And it was like, but it felt so nice to kind of just wait, like, I need to cry this out. Like I'm holding this in. And even so, like I started dreaming last night and it was dreams about everything that I had talked about. It was just coming up and it was like, okay, my body, my psyche needs to work through this. It needs to cry it out. And even so, like how you talked about, like with roles, like same with like Rob, like I had seven auditions, um, like last week or the week before. And I still somehow felt inadequate. Like I didn't do enough. Like, why did I not do enough? Or was I good enough? Or was, am I doing enough? Like constantly, I feel like I'm not doing enough, but you're right about having those people around you to just be like, you're doing enough. You're great. All of these things and allowing yourself to feel that. So I'm so glad that you shared that. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you. Um, for everything, for um, being so open, for taking the time. And I just wanted to leave off with where can the listeners find you if they want to reach out to you? How can they best find you? Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, love. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak and be a part of this. I'm so excited for you. I know that this is just kind of the beginning of your journey of inspiring mm -hmm. so many other people on a, on a larger scale. And so if you would like to follow me and like, hear more about my journey. Um, one of the easiest ways is just to slide into my DMs. My handle on Instagram is Melanie Sutra. That's M-E-L-A-N-I-E-S-U-T-R-A. -E um, you're always more than welcome to come and just hang out. I also love getting coffee and will always welcome, you know, a little coffee chat or anything along those lines. My website is also melaniesutrathata.com. Um, and also, I'm just going to go ahead and throw my email out there. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's just info at melaniesutrathata.com. So if you have questions or if anything here really struck a chord with you, please feel free to reach out. I think, again, we're not getting out of this alive. And so all we have is one another. And if there's a way I can support you, please let me know. Thank you so much, Melanie. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. And there you guys have it. That was episode 19 with my incredible friend, Melanie. I hope you guys liked it. She's such a positive light. I mean, can't you just tell from our recording? She's such a sweetheart, you guys. Make sure you follow her on Instagram. She's constantly sharing awesome content on there. And she's extremely approachable. Like I said, if you ever reach out to her and tell her you want to chat or you want to have some coffee or want to know some awesome things about New York City, she definitely will let you know. Keep an eye out for her because she will be coming out with lots of new things coming out in New York City. And uh, this is not the last time we'll definitely hear from her. But I just wanted to go ahead and say thank you to you guys for taking the time to listen to this conversation, for tuning into my podcast. I hope that you guys enjoy it. I hope that you are able to relate to it, that you are able to feel a little brighter and less alone. If you did like it, please go ahead and leave a review, a couple stars, five stars actually, (laughs) um, and share it with a friend. If uh, you have a friend that's an influencer and you think that they would like this or that there's something that we talked about that they could definitely hear and it could brighten up their day, share it with a couple of friends. Um, yeah, share it on your Instagram, share it on your Facebook, um, send it to your mom and your grandma, who knows? I hope you guys have a beautiful and magical day and be sure to tune in every Tuesday at 5 a.m. for when I drop the next episode. So yeah, hope you have a great day, guys. Remember, keep shining bright.